So, the following story is told that Rav Shimon Shkop, Zatzal, once met the Rogat Shavagoyim. These were two tremendous Gedolei Ador with very, very different ways of thinking and different ways of learning. So the Rogat asked Rav Shimon Shkop to tell him over a shtickle Torah to give me something that you're learning. So Rav Shimon Shkop said he had the following question regarding marriage. And his question is, is marriage something that a person does once and it continues forever? Or is there always a new hischadshus, a new renewal of the marriage? That was Rav Shimon Shkop's question that he asked the Rogachov again. The Rogachov again answered to him, Mazel Tov. Now he was an old man at the time. But he understood that since he learned that it is a hischadshus, it's a renewal. So you could say Mazel Tov. Because hischadshus means that every man is a chosan. And in every moment of your marriage, you could always make it better. Marriage is almost like the door to life. However, the door is closed. To enter the door, you need to have the key. And it has to be the right key. And not only the right key, but if you have a small chip or a break in one of the teeth of the key, you won't be able to open the door. And therefore, our job is to learn the key to marriage, to understand as much as we can in the last four weeks. We have definitely gone through a tremendous amount of understanding of what marriage is, what to look for in a spouse. And we've spoken about various other things as well. I want to wrap it up tonight. This is the last and final part of this year, of this series, Be'ezus Hashem, with the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Now I heard this many, many years ago in a different form, and I've kind of adapted it in my way. The Ten Commandments of Marriage, just like we know, the Aseris Adibro's the Ten Commandments, is that which bound us to the Rabbi Shalom. In other words, it was, so to speak, the Ksuba. That is what bound us, Klal Yisrael, with the Rabbi Shalom, was the Torah. So it means that within the Torah, there's a tremendous amount of comparisons to marriage as well. And therefore, I want to use the Ten Commandments, the Aseris Adibris, as a springboard to try to go through a sikum, a kind of like um, summary of many of the things that we have to work on ourselves before we're married, so that we develop into people that, are, that make the best marriages. And of course, throughout our married lives, this is something that we always have to work on. It's not something that you learn once. Okay, Hassan, get engaged, married. I know everything, Rabbi. I know everything about marriage that there is to know. No such thing. Marriage, as we'll see, is something that we constantly have to work on. So let's start with the very first of the Ten Commandments. Anoichi Hashem Elokecha. Belief. Trust. The most crucial ingredient in any marriage, in any relationship for that matter, is trust. Trust. To accept that person. To understand that the Rabbi Shalayla makes Shaduchim. Everything's bashkacha protis. Everything is with a plan. It might be a plan that we don't understand, but it's a plan. And therefore our job is to accept the person, the full person, both sides of the person, the good 
and maybe the not so good or the challenging parts, because as we mentioned previously, those are the things that make us steig. Those are the things that make us into a more perfect person. And we have to accept the full person, because we have to believe that this is what the Rebbe wants from us. And this is the person that the Rebbe set me up with in order to perfect myself. And that is the very first and most crucial idea in marriage. And as I mentioned to you before, I sometimes tell this to Hassanim before they get married, not to scare them off, but just to tell them that they should know that such a thing exists, that by the way, you're probably going to wake up in the next few months and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I think I married the wrong girl. And I've had this, I've had guys coming over to me a few weeks after the wedding, I married the wrong girl, it's just the wrong girl. And, you know, obviously there are situations that require, you know, more of a depth and understanding. But the very first step you have to know is, no, no, no. There's a Rabbi Shlolem. He created the world. He continues to look after the world. And he looks after me. And he set me up with this girl. Yes, there are challenges. We've spoken about that. That's what marriage is all about. But that's what makes me into a better person. We believe that the Rabbi Shlolem set me up with this girl. This is the best for me. That's number one. Number two, don't have any other gods. No other Don't compare your wife to other people. Don't compare your spouse to somebody else. This woman is for me, this wife, this husband is for me, whatever it is, whichever way of the machitza you're looking from. Yes, there are strengths, yes, there are weaknesses. We can nurture this relationship, but never compare. It's one of the most dangerous things. And I've experienced this with people that tell me, and this generally when it comes out, is when people will tell me they've gone to a Friday night meal with other couples, and they've come back, and when they come back, they say, the wife says, did you see the ring that that girl was wearing? You didn't get me such a ring. What about her watch? What about a holiday that they're planning? It's one of the most dangerous things. I've heard this from countless people so many times, that, you know, when you compare... It's very, very dangerous. So, means it's only her. It's privacy. It's only about her. There's nobody else. There's nobody else. Number three. We do not say Hashem's name in vain. In any relationship, and especially in a marriage, you should never mention bad remarks. And it's interesting because the closer we get to people, the more we think we have a license to say whatever we want, right? And that's what we have to understand. We have to understand to give positive communication, to really give off a positive idea. And people sometimes communicate in a very, very bad way. I'll I'll give you a crazy and interesting example. This is a true story. A couple were living here in Eretz right? They were here for a few years after they got married, and it was in the first few months after the wedding. And they go to Misrada Pnim. I don't know if you've ever been to Misrada Pnim, but it's a, it's like a story. It's like, okay, we're, okay, okay, we're going to Misrada Pnim. Like we're preparing ourselves to go to Misrada Pnim. Okay. I normally tell people when they go, I always say, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to have in mind to go al das that you're going to have to go again. Because that's normally what happens. Right. And just so if your expectation is that way, then you're probably okay. So there you are. You're queuing up in the line. It's taking you 25 minutes outside the building, for anyone that's familiar, to get inside. Okay, so now we're inside. 
We've made this appointment four and a half weeks ago. We need a visa. It's very important. We can't get our insurance. We can't get the various papers that we need. We've got piles and piles of papers with us. Every paper that we can imagine they may ask that we might need, we are bringing with us. And as you walk inside the building, your wife turns to you and she's like, Yankee, I, um, I think I forgot my passport at home. You're like, what? What? So there, there are two ways you can react to this. Okay, and people do both of them. You know, one or the other. But you could blow up. You could say, are you, are, are you serious? You came all the way here. We waited four and a half weeks for this appointment. We finally got here. We need these papers. You knew we were coming to Mr. Adepnim. Why would you come here without... You could do that, but let me ask you a question. What's it going to help? Where's it going to get you? And you might think to yourself, you know, those of you out there that are not married, oh, come on, I would never do that to my wife. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. People blow up. And what's the point? What do they gain by it? So I'll give you the right reaction. Right? It might take a lot of self-work, which is about what preparing for marriage is all about, and being in a marriage is all about. But you know what really the right way to do it is? Is you go over to the receptionist in front of your wife. Go, go to the receptionist and you say, I left my passport at home. What's the next step? She may scream at you and shout at you, which is probably what's going to happen. But what you're going to do, and you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to lie, right? You know, the Gemara and Bombard say you're allowed to lie for shalom bias, for shalom, for peace. No question about it. That's what you should do. What, what, are you going to blame your wife? Oh, she left her. What, what, what are you going to gain by that? It's very important and crucial. Is in the relationship, you don't mention bad things. You don't mention bad remarks. There's no way of putting somebody else down. That's not what a marriage is. That's not what a relationship will help you. And it's not going to work. Number four. Zohar esyoyim hashabbos lekadshay. Shabbos kodesh. Every relationship needs time. It needs rest. It needs solidifying. Sometimes you have to detach from everything else that's going on outside you and just home in and concentrate on the relationship. That is Shabbos. Right? And just like our relationship with the Rabbi Shalom, we also have to stop once, once a week from all the hustle bustle of the week and the work and everything that we do and we focus in and we concentrate on our relationship with Hashem. So, so too, every relationship needs its time. Every relationship needs a time out where you'll spend private time with your wife. Yes, and maybe there are 14 children waiting for you at home. It's Hashem. But at the end of the day, you know there's a certain time that you're going to spend with your wife. It's private time. It's time that you're going to spend to work on your relationship. It's not a waste of time. It's not Bittles man. There's not other things you could be doing at that time. It's time that you're spending on your marriage, on your future, on your children. That's what Zohar Siyam HaShabbos tells you. I'll tell you, Reb Chaim Reisman was a, a tremendous Talmud of Rebaran Cutler. And he used to drive him from his home in Borough Park, where Rebaran lived, to Lakewood, to the yeshiva. So one particular day, Rebaran was already sitting in the car, and he started to put his seatbelt in. And he suddenly says, oh, excuse me, just for a minute, I, I need to take care of something in my house. So Reb Chaim Reisman says, sure, no problem, he opens the door, and he, and he escorts him back to his home. And he sees Rabbaran knocks on the door, he enters the apartment, and he wishes his Rebbetson, I want to wish you a good day. He turned over, he turned around, closed the door, and left. That's it. He forgot 
to wish his wife a good day. Rabbi Chaim Reisman commented that he said he never forgot the glow of pleasure on Rebetzin Cutler's face just from that small gesture. When you show her that you care, when you show her that she means the world to you, that does everything for your marriage. Zocha is no meshab as the kadshay. Okay, respect. We've mentioned this previously, every relationship does require an aspect of love, but love, as we mentioned last time, isn't enough. It needs respect. A Talmud once called Rav Palm Zatzal, and he asked him if, if he can eat by the Rebbe's house Friday night for Shabbos. And Rapam said to him an unusual answer, normally answered straight away. He said, sure, no problem. He had guests all the time. He always said, sure. But this time he said, you know what? That's my Rebbitson's department. I'm going to get back to you. A few hours later, he calls him back. He says, I spoke to my wife. I spoke to the Rebbitson. Absolutely no problem. The reason why, if you want to know why I waited, was because I know that she had a hard week and I didn't feel it was right for me immediately just to say yes. It's a matter of respect. It's a, it's a sensitivity that we spoke about last time, which is so crucial, which is so important in a marriage, is you're showing her the respect. Yes, the love, but respect is it perhaps even more important than that. And the respect that you show her, she takes in, she absorbs, and of course, combined ponim, el ponim, she respects you back. Next, number six, loisirtzach, don't murder. What's that one going to represent? The worst thing in a marriage, in a relationship, is to humiliate someone. Right? As we know, Rabbi Yonah tells us in Perkyovus, when you embarrass someone, it's basically like murder. And you're, comp- you're basically compromising their dignity. The Gemara tells us this, that when you embarrass someone, it's just like murder. And words can do a similar thing. Humiliation kills someone's character. It kills their self-esteem. It kills who they are. And the words that you say to your wife go very, very deeply. Very, very deeply, and in fact, they're very, very hard to actually retract. What you think is a simple word, oh, I didn't mean it, I was just joking. She takes it to heart. And it's so important, it's so crucial for us to recognize and realize how quickly we can murder our wives by just simply saying things that are hurtful. And again, many of you will say, come on, who does this? Nobody talks this way to their wives. Again, if you don't work on yourself, whether it's before you get married or during the marriage, this is what happens. And again, women, as the Gemara tells us in Bob Metziah, are very, very close to tears. And the Rabboni Shalom tells us the Gemara in Bob Metziah is extremely exacting when it comes to someone that treats his wife badly. You ruin their dignity, you ruin their self-esteem, you humiliate them, you kill them, you murder them. Number seven, don't commit adultery. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to your wife. You know what that means? Include your wife in your life. And it's a very, very important idea, the Chazanish. The Chazanish has a letter. Where he writes, it's so crucial, it's so important to tell your wife when you're going, where you're going, and what happened when you're out. Says the Chazanish, if you don't explain your life to your wife, then you just think you could just continue life as normal, whatever you're doing as a bacha, so now you happen to have a wife in your life. No, no, it doesn't work that way. That's not a true chutfus, it's not a true partnership, that's not how it works. 
You've got to tell your wife. I know it seems like a trivial thing. I'm going to Mariv now. Like, okay, she knows that. But you tell her because she's included in your life. She's a part of your life. And therefore you tell the person who's a part of your life where you're going. Tell your Mordecai Kamaisa. A chassan came to Dina Bramski. Dina Bramski was a going awesome. He was mamish. You can't imagine the penetrating Torah Shurim he said, the uncus of his Shurim, he was a going at Sadiq, call it cool on his fingertips. Unbelievable. So here he is, this Hassan. He comes to his Rebbe, and he says, Rebbe, I'm getting married today. So Dina Bramski says, Ooh, let me tell you what happened today on the way to Yeshiva. I went to the post office, and I needed two stamps. One stamp was for one particular place, and the other stamp was for another. He said, Rebbe, Rebbe, I'm getting married today. So Daniel Bramski said, just, just hold on a minute. And, and I was waiting online. There were eight people in front of me. I didn't know how long it's, I didn't know how long it's going to take. And there was no air conditioning. It was very, very hot. He said, Rebbe, Rebbe, I'm getting married today. Daniel Bramski said, just hold on a minute. Hold on just a second. Let me just finish. And, and eventually I got there and, until I got the stamps. And it was, he said, Rebbe, I don't, what, what are you, what's going on? He said, I just wanted to teach you how to talk to your wife. You have to include her in your life. You have to include her in everything that you do. Because a true a wife is a true partnership. And that's what it is. Loisin of don't commit adultery is loyalty. Total respect. Include her in every aspect of your life. Number eight. Loisignoi don't steal. It doesn't only mean a physical stealing. It means stealing her character. Stealing her character, not to give her credit when credit is due. The Gemara in Brachos talks about this. When someone greets you, Shalom, and you don't respond, Shalom, the Gemara paskins that you are a gamaf. You stole because he just said Shalom to you and you didn't respond. Don't steal your wife's compliments. Compliment her. Let her know what she's done. Don't steal her identity. Let her empower herself. Let her be who she wants to be. Tell you, Mordecai Meisner, this is Gavaldic. There was a year to David Hershkovitz. So David Hershkovitz was the founder of a Kolo Beisichil Mayim Bnei Brak, which was a tremendous big supporter of many Torah different places. He was born in America. He traveled to Europe. He learned as a young boy in Baranovich and eventually came to America when the war came out. And as soon as he returned to America, he was very, very involved with many, many Yidden's um, rescue from the Holocaust. And years later, he arrived in Eretz Yisrael. And when he arrived in Eretz Yisrael, one of his first stops was the Yeshivas Meh. He had to visit the Rosh Hashiva of Meh, Rav Chaim Shmelevitz Zatzal. And he, they used to know each other when they were younger. And when he came into the Yeshiva building, he came over to the Rosh Hashiva of Rav Chaim Shmelevitz, and he reintroduced himself. And the Rosh Hashiva was so happy to see him. I can't believe you're here. That's wonderful. You must come to my apartment. Please, come and join us. Join us for lunch. And David said, wow, Rashiv of the Meir coming for lunch. Okay, no problem. And his wife was very happy to add an extra place in the settings on the table. And they washed, they sat down to eat. The Rebbitson started to serve the meal. And she placed a piping hot bowl of soup in front of both of the men. Reb Chaim Shemalevitz took a spoonful of soup. And he said, wow, this soup tastes like Gan Eden. But he didn't stop there. After every spoonful, there was another compliment. And he consumed it eagerly. And he said, please, Rebison, is there more soup? Can I have another portion? It, it's Mamash Ganeiden. 
Rav David couldn't believe it. I mean, okay, compliment your wife, but like, isn't this going a little bit too far? Like, you know, as far as he could remember, Rav Chaim wasn't someone who was busy with Gashmias and eating and eating. That wasn't his Mahalach. What was he doing? Now he was eating with, with, with a Gashmak, with excitement. He didn't understand what was going on. And then the Rebbeson serves the next course. And before she serves the next course, he says, Rebbeson, I know that you make your soup a certain way, but today, wow, there's something you did to the soup. I don't know what it is, but please, you must tell the guest so he can tell his wife about your incredible delicious soup. You can imagine. His wife is smiling. She was beaming. After Abraham and Rabdobin finished the soup, so Rebbe, the Rebbeson starts collecting the bowls and brings in the main course, the chicken. Reb Chaim ate the chicken and he's showering his Rebetzin with more praise. She said, this is incredible. This chicken is amazing. It must be it was in the soup, right? Because it has the same taste and that taste of Ganadin in the soup. I've never heard, I've never tasted anything like this. Reb David had no idea what to say. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Reb Chaim's Rebetzin left the room and Reb Chaim Shmulevitz noticed his guest's puzzlings, thoughts. And he said to him, I'd like to explain to you what's going on. He said to him, I give one of the most lomdishim shiurim in the world. Now, can you imagine when this guest heard this, he was very uncomfortable. Rabbi Chaim said, humility doesn't mean that you don't know who you are. A person has to know his strengths, he has to know his abilities. Moshe Rabbeinu knew exactly who he was. The Masechta that the yeshiva is learning this month, I learned it Be'iyam, and I give Shein, and the Oilum rip me to pieces, and I rip them to pieces, and they analyze every word that comes out of my mouth. And now Reb Chaim gets to his point. He says, with everything I just told you, with all of the honor, can you imagine, I give the Londish, the, the most Londish Shein in the world, I'm the Rosh Yeshiva of the Mir Yeshiva. The Oilum take apart every word that I say. It's incredible. With all the honor that I get, a 19-year-old boy will come over to me at the end of the shear and say, Rebbe, that was an incredible shear. Do you know how much uplifting that gives me? Do you know what makes, that makes me feel incredible? He lifts my spirits. It makes me feel so good. Reb Chaim looked deeply into Abdovid's eyes and he said, probably the best vote that he would ever hear. He said, the soup is the Rebbetzin shear. The strength of a compliment. That's what it's all about. No signal, don't steal. Don't steal the compliment that she deserves. Number nine. Don't be a false witness. Communication is all about being truthful. Be honest. Be honest. Communicate and share your feelings truthfully. You know, people would come to Rav Scheinberg with, you know, all sorts of problems and trolling and bias. And he would often say afterwards, he would say, you know what the problem with this couple is? They don't see eye to eye. Don't bear a false witness means learn how to communicate in a emistic way, in a real fashion. It's so important. And number 10, don't be jealous. It's the most damaging part of any relationship is to celebrate the success of somebody else. That's not what it is. Look in your wife. Look at, your po- look at the positive things that she brings into the marriage, that she brings into you, into the relationship. Don't be jealous of somebody else. Everyone has their package. Everyone has their challenges. Everyone has exactly what they need. The Rabbi Shalom, 40 days before we were created in the world, already set aside the perfect girl for us. 
to be jealous of someone else, whether it's their money, whether it's their wife, whether it's whatever they have, their work, their looks, makes no difference. It doesn't help anyone and it doesn't help a relationship. Those are the Ten Commandments of Marriage. I want to end with two incredible things and very important things. You know, we spent now five weeks discussing marriage, discussing various ideas. I just want to end with two very, very important things. Number one, people don't like to ask. People just don't like to ask, especially men. Men have this thing that we just, no, no, we're not going to ask, right? You know, men and women go in the, in, the, in, the, you know, in the journey, they're trying to go somewhere, and the wife says, I think we're lost, maybe we should ask. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay, I can figure it out. Men don't like to ask. You know what? We're not malochim. We're not malochim. We need guiding. We need guidance. It's like in that maze. Right, then Masil Shashom says you've got a maze and it's a, one of those mazes you don't see and you've got a guy who's standing tall and he says you're making the wrong move, you'll never get out of there. Turn right. You're like, excuse me, thank you very much, I know exactly what I'm doing, leave me alone. That's many people in marriage. They don't want to get advice. It's okay, I can figure it out. I'm a big boy, I'm very mature, life experience, I know what to do. No, no, no. We need to find people that are more experienced than us, that have gone through life more than us. I'll give you an example, the Satmarov used to make the Bachum in Yeshiva collect money every so often. Even if some of them came from very wealthy homes and they could get the whole sum or even more from their parents. No, I want you to go collecting. You know why? Because it's going to knock down your gaiva and realize that you need people. The greatest machanchen sometime in the world have to go knocking on other people's doors in order to get advice. Right? It knocks down their gaiva and realize we're not perfect. We all need help. We all need advice. And forget by getting that advice, we can reach our full potential. Revolver, Revolver, once said over that he had a Rebbe that was 20 years younger than him. He said, but it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Because if he can help me, then that's great. I remember my Meshkech of Nech saying, if I don't understand something in the Gemara, but one of you do, I will have no problem coming over to you to ask you, even though he was 40, 50 years older than any of the Bochum in Yeshiva. Right? That's what it is. Asselach Rav. The most important thing that I can sometimes tell a chassan and kala, or anyone that's married, sometimes they didn't hear this when they were a chassan and kala, you guys are lucky, you hear this when a chassan and kala, or even before that. Get yourself a rov. Get yourself someone not to be embarrassed to ask your questions, and don't think, oh, it's a little bit embarrassing, I don't think I should ask the rov that one. Because I guarantee you, if he's a rov and he's dealt with this before, He's been asked it before. And as well, something else, you don't have to worry. Because if he's a busy man, and by the way, I suggest finding a busy person, because a busy person is better. Someone who's got nothing to do generally isn't so good. But if he's a busy person, about two minutes after you leave, or hang up the phone, he's forgotten about it. So that you never have to be embarrassed at anything that you ask. It's important to ask. It's important to realize that it's okay to ask. And every point of our marriage, we do need to ask. And let me end with one last incredible idea. And that is... In every good business, every decent business, they'll get together every so often and they'll have a meeting. And that meeting will be, where are we holding? Where's the business holding? Are we successful? Are we making money? Are we losing money? Is there a way that we can make more money? It's about having a meeting. Let's get together and let's discuss it. Marriage is no different. It's a constant, constant journey that always needs nourishing. It constantly needs working on. If someone has a garden and is growing various flowers, every flower has each way where it can be treated. If you make a mistake, the flower will die. Therefore, you have to know what to do with every type of flower. And therefore, in every marriage, every couple is different. And therefore, it's important every so often to make an evaluation. 
Where are we holding? What are we doing? It's a journey that doesn't only start when you get married, as we said from the beginning, from Rabbi Shimon Shkop. There's a hischadshus all the time. The stapler said when he was asked, what is the way to have good children? And the stapler said, you know what it is? It's 50% tefillah, 50% shalom bayis. That is, says the stapler, you want to have good children, apart from a good life and a way to work on yourself, is you have to work on your marriage. Another advice from the stapler, and he says that you can't leave it to work on its own. It's like a garden that needs constant care and constant concern. Rabbi said, I hope very much that everything we've gone through has been helpful. But Rabbi said, it's not just about hearing it. It's about living it. It's about putting it into perspective and putting it into practice and thinking about these messages. Thinking about how we can implement this with our lives. And Be'ezah Hashem, if we do this, we'll all be zaycha that the Rabbi Shem will give us all a lot of siyat dishmaya that we'll have tremendous marriages. Be'ezah Hashem, and we will cause the shechina to enter our homes, which of course is the purpose and the goal of every marriage. And thank everyone for joining us. Be'ez HaShem for these five weeks.